Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Ashland University's Professional Learning Podcast. This is your host, Dr. David Silverberg. So joining us today is Monica Brown. She is the Regional School Improvement Coordinator of Curriculum and Instructional Support at the Educational Service Center of Central Ohio, which serves 30 school districts in eight counties. Previously, Monica was an elementary principal at Westerville City Schools and also at Columbus City Schools. Welcome today, Monica. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, David. I was in Zoom traffic. I got here pretty quickly, though. So, yeah, it's a good ride. <laughs> well, we look forward to learning from you what's been going on there in Central Ohio as far as support for professional educators and what's been working, what's been a challenge, what advice do you have for others? Okay, well, that's a loaded question. So let's start with what's been working. I think that a lot of um, coming together and collaborating as organizations and with other different types of modalities has been working. So let's start with organizations. ESC has been doing a lot of partnering with ODE in offering question and answer sessions. For example, we recently had one about OTES that was very well received. Um, we are also looking forward to having one on reading intervention. We had a virtual meetup. ODE is sponsoring virtual meetups via their platform, but they're also partnering with others to do so as well to make sure to provide as many opportunities for people to participate. So we've been able to partner with them and offer different platforms on different topics. Um, we're also partnering with other ESCs. My little anecdote that I was sharing about my eight-year-old coworker earlier is in reference to a partnership called the Remote Leaders Alliance, where we're partnering with the Montgomery County ESC to also sponsor these networking calls. And that's really working, where I feel like since the school closure, everyone is definitely collaborating and connecting together. This has provided the platform for that. It's always been there. We always knew that. But this is the time where everyone is actively doing these things. So offering not just webinars, but um, the Zoom calls, the phone calls, the collaboration across districts versus just within your own district, that has been so robust. I can't say enough about that. Through that Remote Leaders Alliance, there's weekly support sessions that um, we've partnered with BASA and Actionable Leaders on in order for teachers by position to talk about things that are happening, current events. So it is professional learning, but it's professional learning in a network collaborative sense. ODE's virtual meetups also similar, where it's more kind of a structured type of learning and the same with sessions that we're offering at ODE as well. I think that has really been working well. Online book studies, different modalities such as that. People have an opportunity, a choice menu, if you will, to kind of determine how they're going to proceed with certain aspects. So the resource sharing, I just can't say enough about. I've just seen all of Ohio educators come together. It's been great. Well, and the reach is pretty vast there. If I understand correctly, it's something like 16, over 16,000 educators participating in 133,000 hours of professional learning that you all do in a year there. Just these are approximate numbers. Yeah. That So this impact of uh, the collaborative spirit and networking mm -hmm obviously can have huge uh, impact moving forward. 
Oh, absolutely. The last session we did, it was an ELA social studies session. It sold out. I'll use that term. There was 200 seats and we had 200 people. Now that does kind of change um, your focus and how you perceive versus lecture style versus the opportunity to collaborate. And those are things I think that we're all working through as teachers are working through with students. In my role as a curriculum coordinator, we're working through that with professional learning. What is the, the greatest platform, the greatest opportunity for our learners to learn and participate, we're kind of looking at that as well. What have you found have been the, been the most engaging approaches to continuing the professional learning? I found, and I will not just say what I found, it's also from survey results. As we are doing these sessions, we're also providing surveys at the end to see what the preference is. And I will say right now, in terms of educators who are feet to the ground, hand, you know, working with students, they are looking for job and get it practical things. You know, there's so many resources. It has been wonderful. I don't want to just limit to Ohio. When you look at, I'm sure you too, David, receive, excuse me, Dr. Silverberg, receive lots of emails and, and lists and, and they're great things, but even time, and this is back to the real life, it's hard to turn off work when you're virtually working. And who knew, right? Who knew that? But one of the survival tips in working from home is just that. You have to know how to turn it in and off. But when you have all these lists coming towards you, you don't know where to start. And since this was sudden, I think we were at a point where we weren't, we're kind of doing online learning, but now we're learning how does that look online? So as practitioners, we're all figuring that out. So I think the biggest thing has been where we can really provide teachers like, okay, here are five top websites that are speaking to Ohio standards that offer different modalities for your students. Oh, you're looking for reading intervention. How's that different? How does that look? Those are the ones that are the best and most engaging. And in speaking of engaging, since you're a Zoom user, you'll appreciate this, the breakout rooms, people really like that. So if you have 200, you know, how do you break that down into a way that just like we tell a teacher in a classroom, that's a large group. How do we small group it? How do we reteach it? So having those types of opportunities have been very helpful. They've really enjoyed being able to talk to one another, people in their same content or people in their same teaching grade level, et cetera. That has been helpful. Boy, what a learning curve. Oh, yes. Huge. And what would you say based on what you've seen or what you're hearing from uh, teachers or other educational leaders out there, what are the biggest challenge areas still, whether it's equity or delivery of services in some fashion, what are the biggest hurdles and, and what are your hopes uh, regarding that? So hands down, I would say equity is the biggest hurdle. Um, and I kind of alluded to this earlier. And sometimes it's not even just equity, just understanding the why a student may not be logging on. So let's just start with equity. When you look at equity, I think this is bringing to light even more so than what we've always kind of understood in terms of equity when you're face to face, not virtually. But this is really shining a light on, okay, there's one Chromebook per family. You have three children. And, but yet the expectation is, um, it depends on the district, that you're logged on at a certain time. You can't do that with three different children. So it's kind of shining a light on that. And I know that school districts are rising to the occasion. You know, they're trying to get Chromebooks in their hand. This is putting a light on it, but it's also helping us all come together. Um, it, it, this pandemic has been something unprecedented, as we know, but I think it's also showing how we do come together and we rally together to support what is needed. So then on the other side of the coin, you have the working parent who's at home, at home, just like I am, but yet my daughter's not online yet. I'm just going to be honest because I'm working. Now, 
my husband can help her, but I'm the educator and I feel like I need to do that. But what about the homes that are single parents? What about the homes where the parent isn't at home? They have to work. They're an essential worker or they are out there trying to make sure. And, and then the child is there all alone. I just read an article about thinking about that security and safety that children often feel at school. That's gone from them now. So the biggest challenge is how do we still give that to them? And I've seen some great things. I've seen where teachers are offering, hey, it might be six o'clock, but I'm going to log in then because that's when so-and-so is looking forward to talking to me. That's when the parent has time to talk to me. So even the biggest challenges of time and managing their own families, educators are rising to it and, and definitely to be commended. What about transition fatigue? You know, I think about all of us at some point, you know, we're humans. We try to be the best we can to help each other. But this is a lot of change. I mean, just to hear you mention security and safety that schools offer a place for many kids of security and safety. And that's something where we're all thinking about, of course, delivering standard-based instruction, all these important things. But Absolutely. that's an important component, isn't it? And, and this can be stressful for teachers that may have more or, or principals that may have, feel more or less prepared to offer environments of security and safety through the internet, basically. Yes, yes, I agree. Because we still do. We, we're about standards and we, want it, we don't want you to lose that time in learning. But what is the saying now, Maslow's before blooms? It is 100% true. Not just of our students, of our educators, of our administrators, everyone, because you can't, you have to take care of yourself to take care of others. And I strongly do believe that. And I've seen a rise in occasion on that. There's many SEL platforms now that are offering virtual online, which it seems kind of counterproductive. But you do also need to make sure you don't have that screen sign. That's like a surviving working from home tip. Take your lunch, take your break, get up when you feel that fatigue so that you can be better to come back and help and support. So absolutely. That's a great point, Dr. Silverberg. And you've been mentioning about book studies and such. I saw yes. there was a, um, I think, a meeting recently down there where there were lots of neat books being offered, Creative Cultures for Thinking and Power of Positive Leadership, Designed to Learn, Trauma-Sensitive Skills. Do you feel like you've provided, you and your team there, provided a nice range of options for educators and uh, instructional leaders as they look to grow specifically in these times? Absolutely. So our goal has been to provide different, a wide range of opportunities in a wide range of ways different modalities. So we're going to offer the book study, the webinar, the virtual online chat. It can be office hours where you just contact, you know, a person who in their specific field, they have a specialty, but we definitely are. And that's a lot with our partnerships, trying to make sure that we're trying to cover the range. There's so much to cover and so much out there, but we're trying to drill it down to, okay, here are the ones that speak most to the Ohio standards or the needs that you're expressing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And as we look forward now, graduation, right? Wow. Fall of 2020. You know, I mean, how do we do these things? Well, I will, I have seen the gamut. I will definitely tell you. And, and through, we have a success network at ESC of Central Ohio, where practitioners come together to talk about just that. And we've been collecting data and information on how districts are approaching it. So, you know, you've seen the virtual graduation where it may be a Zoom kind of link. There's also been the door parade where they're going to actually present to the student their diploma. Also seen where they're going to do a drive-through graduation, where they're going to kind of just drive through in their cars. The parents will get a chance to clap and applaud. I've even seen where they're going to splice it together. So we'll simulate this, but we're going to put it together 
together into an entire feed so that you have the whole graduation for all of your class. Again, that's another example of districts really coming together and talking about what is going to best meet their needs. Now you have, I've also seen a very small district with 75 students, I apologize, can't think of it off the top of my head, where they built an actual stage platform and they're gonna drive that stage to the student's house. Now you have 75 students, that's gonna be a different look than a bigger district. So what they're trying to do is just kind of put the graduation together with the door parade and et cetera, but they're all still rising to the occasion based on the needs. Oh, amazing examples of real life differentiation Absolutely. for sure. Uh, what about fall of 2020? What are your thoughts about that? What are your hopes, what are your concerns? Yeah, so the, late, the latest has been thinking about, okay, we're closing school, but also looking forward to reopening. And one thing that ESC of Central Ohio and several other organizations have been involved in is coming up with kind of a needs assessment and looking at what are some things to consider for the fall. So for example, you know, how close will we still be social distancing? If that's the case, if you have X number of students, how does that look for you? You know, do you sit the desk apart? There's been a couple of different scenarios. First might be a blended learning approach. Maybe student group A comes to school on Monday, Tuesday, every other Wednesday, and then group B comes Thursday, Friday, so it's half and half. Those are a couple of scenarios that I've seen. Also maybe going half time, then you don't have to worry about lunch. There's been a lot of different scenarios that people are processing right now. Or do you offer parents the option? For some, I'll tell you, my 13-year-old, she loves virtual learning. Best things in sliced grade. Not so much for my eight-year-old, but do you offer an option? And let's go back to the equity issue, though. If you offer an option, but it's not an option, because maybe I live in a rural part of town, right, and I just don't have access to the internet. Yeah, they have the bus with the mobile hotspot, but how realistic is that if my parent is working during the day. These are things that people are trying to tease out and get answers to. But as we look forward, I can tell you everyone is fully vested. There's checklists that have been developed, possible closure activities that people are talking about. How does this look for reopening? As we look at summer school, what does summer school even look like? Let's not even skip to the fall. Summer school, is it summer school for the teachers where they're really drilling down to the platform? Because let's all, we had, we all had a pandemic reaction. In some cases, some districts were already set up. Because when you look at snow days and things like that, where maybe they had the tools, maybe they were already one-to-one. -one. Others may not have been. So there was a pandemic reaction. So we are now learning how to do online learning mm -hmm. versus just mm -hmm. being online. Well, I really like your real-world approach because that our listeners, our superintendents, principals, curriculum people, ESC people like yourself all around the state, and they're trying to work through these same issues. So that collaborative state of mind, I think, is an essential one. If somebody wanted to follow up with you to get more information about anything you've referenced today, what's the best way for them to reach you? I can be reached via email, monica.brown at escco.org. Monica is M-O-N-I-C-A dot B-R-O-W-N at escco.org. And I can gladly, if I don't know the answer, I will certainly find out. In my role, my part is to be a resource finder and locator and also establish partnerships, which is something that I really enjoy doing. So please, please reach out. We have a great many colleagues with expertise from graduation to curriculum development, anything you could ask for. So. Well, thank you so much for your time and for being an important resource for, for all of us as we look to help each other through this time. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Silverberg, for having me. Brought to you by Ashland University, your partner in the future of professional learning. This podcast is licensed under Creative Commons.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.